Our speaker today is Ken Costa, internationally renowned, been at the heart of the City of London for more than four decades, including being chair of Lazard's, Emeritus Gresham Professor of Commerce, and also at the heart of this church, the heart of Alpha and HTB for four decades. Uh, uh, he's the Emeritus Chair of Alpha. He's the Dean of the Leadership College London and uh, the husband of Dr. Fee Costa. They have uh, four grown-up children and recently arrived first grandchild. Yeah, exciting. He's the author of three books, all of which I recommend. God at Work, which is the basis of the course which runs all over the world. Know Your Why, Finding and Fulfilling Your Calling. Again, I recommend this, Finding Your Purpose in Life. And most recently, this book, Strange Kingdom. And my favorite bit of this book is the very last paragraph, which comes in the acknowledgments. And it goes like this. I want to thank Nikki Gumbel and Nikki Lee for their friendship. Our lives were transformed at university more than 40 years ago when we discovered the liberating message of the cross. We have journeyed together ever since then. Please welcome our friend, Ken Costa. Um, shall we pray? Father, we ask you that by your spirit you'll be with us this morning, that we would learn to submit more, to serve more, and to share more of the great good news of your kingdom. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have really been looking forward to speaking this morning because I believe that God has a message for us which is an amazing uh, hope uh, for all of us uh, in the lives, difficult lives that we, that we lead. So I'm very excited by it, and I have been working to think of, uh, of the ways in which I can illustrate this topic. Poor for more. Don't worry, it'll become clearer um, as, we, as we go on. So this is festival season, and... Last Sunday evening with Martin Lazal, we went to see um, the great Paul Simon in Hyde Park. Uh, that is, of course, an amazing thing for us. There is one person who just reaches out across the generations. And as he was going on, he played on for about two hours with 60,000 people in Hyde Park. And we were <clears throat> just wanting, wanting more, wanting more. Eventually, he played through the encores. He played Graceland, one of the great songs of all time. Um, we wanted more. Homeward Bound, we wanted more. And then, in the darkness, at an extraordinary moment, the whole band just disappeared off the stage, big stage in Hyde Park. And a single spotlight came down onto a 67-year-old Paul Simon. And he stood there with an acoustic guitar and he played those first two chords and everybody knew that this was the bridge over troubled waters. And we were so excited 
what we had longed for had finally happened. With those haunting lines, and pain is all around. Like a bridge over troubled waters, I will lay me down. And you know, at that moment, I thought to myself, that's just what Jesus did. When he looked at the pain of the world around us, the way that we'd gone our own way, that Jesus laid himself down as a bridge between the pain that we had felt and the purpose that he was longing for each one of our lives. Don't let anybody tell you, by the way, that you can only worship to the great worship music that Christians write. You can also worship to every secular uh, song. You just need to translate it. I remember in the warm-up to Paul Simon, we had James Taylor, and he was reminding us, you know, you just call out my name, and wherever I am, I'll come running. You have a friend. <laughs> and uh, Jesus is a friend. So I think that, that we need to take from the world some of the best and translate it. And that's what I want to talk about now. I want to talk about this longing for more. The, 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 whole, the whole life that more is a cure. Constantly wanting to find more. It's hard to be satisfied. We want more as a kind of reaction that we have and it'll be a cure for many of the issues we face. We think that this bridge if I have more, that will be the bridge from pain into purpose. That more will satisfy my deepest longings. It will bridge me. That more will cure loneliness and all the cure the pain of modern living. That more will cure the uncertainties we face at work. That more will cure the unsettling speed of technological change. And if not, then bring with it the happiness we so ache for, then at least dull or anesthetize the pain. There's a search for a completeness. I remember talking to a group of financiers and saying, what do you want out of life? And the answer came quickly, more. But more of what? I don't know whether you saw the film Silence. It told the story of the Jesuits um, in uh, evangelizing Japan for the first time. And Andrew Garfield, who played the, the role in there, was studying the Jesuits beforehand. And he said, Do you know, I studied this person of Jesus. He's not a believer. I studied this person of Jesus. And wow, within me it beat that this, this person of Jesus was such a remarkable person. I fell in love with him. And then he said this, which I found to be so, so powerful. He said... He, he said that I come from Hollywood, which is the marketplace of riches, honor, and pride. But I wanted to confront a painful and persistent sense of my own not enoughness. This wound of not enoughness, that wound of feeling like what I have to offer is never enough. It's not hard to fail, we do it all the time. It's that people will see us failing. Do you know that sense of not enoughness? The Lord of the Rings, writer J.R. Tolkien, said, our world is still soaked with a sense of exile. Nothing is ever enough to satisfy the longing of our soul. So we have all these appetites 
that we long to be fulfilled. And you'll either rule your appetites or they will rule you. And what happens is the world around us, our newspapers, our television, our self-help books, they, what is trying to happen is to, is to present a cure for what we're facing in life and instead it becomes a lure. It draws us away from the meaning of life in Jesus Christ. We have this continuing craving for more. More pleasure, more power, more prestige, more popularity, more possessions, more promotion, more prosperity, more sex, more status, more salary. We want more money, more quality in life, more likes for our posts, more sport to watch, more channels on our televisions, more apps, more friends, more options to choose, more lifestyle, more drugs, more love island. <laughs> There's a deep aching for fulfillment. As you come here this morning, let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you a question which I hope you can answer honestly. You can do it quietly. I won't ask you to say it aloud. What is it that you want more of? Fill in that little gap. I want more What? Why is that? You see, there's the deepest longing in our society is for us to find happiness and peace and to avoid pain of stressful living. So we long for more. We think that that will be the cure. Why do we switch modes for a moment? Switch yourself into spiritual mode. Do the same exercise and fill in those dots you know, Jesus Christ says, I want you to have more love, more grace, more power, more fulfillment. What is the word that you would put in in your own Christian life in that spiritual mode? I want more. For me, it is more love for those that I find really difficult to work with. There's a certain moreness in the very heart of God. In, you know, when Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He longs to fill the empty spaces in our life. It's a God thing to want more of what truly satisfies, but it's a world's thing to want more of what cannot satisfy. And God wants to create a well within you and me of living water that will satisfy our lives. That we will have the Spirit of God within us and never be thirsty. I sometimes think that our society is much like what Jeremiah complained of at his society. In Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13, he says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own water tanks, broken water tanks that cannot hold water. Do you not have that sense 
that actually, with, as we're wanting more of our whole society, we want more growth, more economic power, we want more in our lives, that actually it's leaking out in our own lives. Every day seems to be a leaking out. The water tanks into which we are pouring more are not holding the water that God wants us to have. We just never seem to be enough and we're thirsty. And thirsty, when I say I'm thirsty, it means I've got capacity, I'm longing to be filled. It means there is a void, there is an empty space waiting to be filled. And the question is, with what are we going to fill that empty space? If it's merely what the world says is more, then all it will be like the water tanks, they will continue to leak. And the prophet Isaiah says, why do you continue to drink of the waters that do not satisfy? But you know, there are two things that when we allow the Spirit of God to give us more in our hearts, what happens is we draw closer to him, but also we have the search, the thirst that is stimulated by the world is quenched. It's drawn together. That's the strange way of the Christian life. That's the strange kingdom that we live in. So I have a simple message for, for us today, as much for you as it is for me. And it's this, pour for more. When we long for more of the presence of God, more of his power, more of his prophetic insight, more perspective on our harsh daily-to-day lives, our lives in the work, in the workplace, at home, in our families, in our relationships, more purpose to find and to fulfill our callings in life, then let this simple and powerful message grip you. Pour for more. It's summertime, and you know, I, you know, we, we, we long to have drinks, and so what we do is, if you're like me, I love elderflower cordial, but um, if you fill a jug and you pour, you, you pour for more. It leaves the jug, it pours out into the glass that you've got before you. Something moves from one to another. I don't know whether you saw the, the Wimbledon semi-final. I was riveted to watch Anderson and Isner slog it out for six hours and 35 minutes. Do you remember that? Do you, did you have that sense in the end that they had poured themselves out? that there was almost nothing left. They'd given everything of themselves. And we use that phrase, to pour yourself out. Last, uh, last week, if you were here, uh, you would have seen the Archbishop of Canterbury honor two of our vicars, John Collins, who was a vicar some years ago, and Nicky Gumble, who is our current vicar. Because they had poured themselves out in evangelism to make the good news of Jesus known to everybody that Nikki and Pippa have done over 80 consecutive small groups in Alpha. That's pouring yourself out for others to get to know the good news. Why did they do that? It's because they were filled with the spirit of the living God. Let me, let me say this. You cannot pour out what has not been poured in. 
You cannot give what you haven't got. The tennis player cannot perform if there is no practice. We need to draw in and have something poured into us. And that is what the Spirit of the living God does throughout the whole of the Bible. Again and again, we see this pouring out. We see it in the book of, of Joel, when Joel prophesies, which was repeated in the book of Acts, and afterwards, Joel chapter 2, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people, all people, not just the people who are in church. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Do you see the inclusivity of this pouring out? No distinction of sex or gender, slave or free, pouring out of the Spirit. When the Bible speaks of this pouring out of being filled with the Spirit, it's saying that we are consumed, we're taken over, we're impregnated, we're saturated, we complete and replete with God's presence and God's power. To be filled with the Spirit of God is, not, is to have no room left for anything else. He can only fill that which is empty. If you fill it up yourself, it leaks like the water tanks that Jeremiah complained of. And in Romans chapter 5, Paul says to us, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And again, Paul in Titus says, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. The Spirit of God is pouring himself out into your life and into my life. And as he pours himself into it, we have that which is necessary to pour out to others. So how do I pour for more? Here are three simple ways in which we could learn to pour ourselves out so that we might know more power in our lives, more of the presence of God in our lives. So the first is submit more. To submit is actually to hear what God is saying and to do it. I love the story of the marriage feast in Cana. The reason that I love it is, is that it, it starts in John chapter 2. It is the first miracle of Jesus recorded in John's gospel. And you might have thought that the first miracle would be a healing. The first miracle would be the raising from the dead. first miracle would be a multiplication of loaves and fishes, and it wasn't. The first miracle was at a party, a wedding party in Cana, in Galilee. And in that, they had a simple problem. They wanted more wine. They'd run out. Now, Jesus' mother comes to him and says, they want more. Now, that 
party had been going on for some time. They'd already drunk up the wine. You would have thought that Jesus would have said, well, no, <laughs> they've had enough, sober up, or whatever. But he didn't. You see, he makes the good better. He makes the good better. Sometimes we think that all that Jesus does is fix the broken. Everything that's broken has to be fixed. Not at all. He makes the good things, the good things in life, the wonderful music of Paul Simon and others. He makes it better. He allows us to enjoy that. And his mother says to the, to the servants, submit more. Just, just submit to him. Do whatever he tells you to do. They'd been empty. I don't know whether you come here today feeling empty. You're running on empty. It's the end of a long year. You've been running on empty spiritually, financially, emotionally, socially. That emptiness is getting to you. There's a not enoughness that is kind of eating at you. Well, when that happens to you, it happens to all of us. At that moment, submit more and listen to the words of Jesus' mother. And Mary said to them, do whatever he tells you to do. So the servants listened to Jesus and the servants then went um, and they filled the uh, the jars of, of water. But you know, the thing that is so important to remember is that when they pour the water, they had to take a pitcher, take water, and then pour water. Now, in almost all the miracles of Jesus, he wants you and me to be involved. He could easily have looked at those jars and said, Water, wine. <laughs> no problem. But he wanted them to be involved. And you know the extraordinary thing about that miracle is that water is ordinary. He takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. Depending on how strong you like your alcohol to be, most of it is 90, I won't tell you how much it is, 90 something percent water. And the rest is the alcohol. But the alcohol, you know, changes. The whole character of the water changes. And, and here is, here is what, what John, what happened. And when, John, uh, when, when they started taking the water, they then went and they did this. And when they poured out, John 2, verse 9, and when they poured out their pitcher for the master of ceremonies to sample the water, it became wine. Just in that very pouring. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. In pouring for more, submit more. It sounds strange. It is a strange kingdom. But we pour and see more happening. And as they poured, the water turned into not more water, but into wine. And not ordinary wine. Magnificent wine. First growth wine. He makes the good even better. The second if you want to pour for more, is learn to serve more. You know, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, Mark tells us. And he poured his life out. And that is the great secret 
of Jesus' life is that it was poured out for us in service. I want to, um, I want to take you to, I love the Bible because the Bible gives us sort of these remarkable signs going forward of what it is to live for more in the kingdom. So here is, a, here is a story taken from the second book of Kings in the story of the prophet Elijah. Now the prophet Elijah was one of the great prophets of Israel. And the last thing that Elijah did before he was taken up to heaven in a chariot, where we get chariots of fire from, the last thing he did was to take his cloak and go to the Jordan River and tap the Jordan River and it split in two and he walked across. Now the person that was with Elijah, who begged Elijah before he was going away, was Elisha. And he said, Elisha said to Elijah, please give me a double portion of your spirit. And the first thing that Elisha did after Elijah had gone to heaven was to take what he had seen Elijah do, to take his coat and to touch the Jordan River and to split, and the Jordan River parted. And Elisha went on to do other amazing miracles. The water was brackish and they couldn't drink of it and he poured salt into it and, and the water became drinkable. But here's the bit that really, really riveted this story to me. The kings of Israel and Judah and Edom have come together and they were going to fight a battle, but they didn't know how to plan that battle. And Jehoshaphat, one of the kings, turns in desperation and says in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? So he was desperate. He wanted to find somebody who could actually help them by answering what the will of God was. And then one of the king's officers answered in an extraordinary way. You would have, he says, Elisha, the son of Shapat, is here. And you would have expected at that moment that the, the officer would have said to the king, Jehoshaphat, here is the man who by her taking of a cloak could part the waters of the Jordan. By pouring water into, into the stream, he could change it into drinkable water. Here is a man of immense power, of immense prophetic insight, of immense presence of, the, of, the, of God in his life. That's the man. Elisha the man, the powerful man of God. But he doesn't. Because the bit that he noticed to commend himself to the king was this. But Elisha, son of Shepat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. What they noticed was that he was a servant. He was a server. He was a server. He poured water on the hands of the prophet Elijah. And that's what the world is like. The world will see us at the way in which we serve, 
at the way in which we work together. It doesn't understand our worship. It thinks it's all weird. We are part of a strange kingdom, and it's never going to change. But the one thing that will be noticed was the way in which we serve our community, our church, our city, and our country, and how it needs it today more than ever. Do you see that? In that extraordinary moment, Elisha the servant is honored. And here is the truth. I know that for many of you, you long, as I do, we long for the power of God. We long for the presence of God. We long for the prophetic instincts of God to see this world change around us. We want to be used by God. But before we can be used in those great works, like parting the, the waters, before you will part, we need to pour. Before we can part the waters, we need to pour the water. And that's what was noticed when Elisha was seen by the king, that he was the one that was a servant. You know, Pope Francis said, we need scuff-kneed, fierce-hearted, gospel-saturated communities of servant leaders. Leaders serve and servants lead. See, God won't put you in a position of leadership until you take a posture of servanthood. If you want God to highly bless and exalt you, be a server, serving others. If you want more, pour. And we do that because we model ourselves on Jesus Christ. This is not some new self-help therapy. This is not emptying yourself out as some religions would have. No, no. It's filling ourselves with the Spirit of God as Jesus did. But you read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, Paul tells us of Jesus, but Jesus poured himself out to fill a vessel brand new, a servant in form and a man indeed. That's why we pour, because Jesus did that. That is the secret of true satisfaction, of being poured out in the same way as Jesus was poured out. And the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself serving others. Who are you helping on your street? Who are you serving in your church? Who are you pushing up in your workplace? Who are you raising up in your home? Who are you focused on when lifting up competitors in your work? See, God takes the servant stuff seriously. Little acts have large effects in the kingdom. Why? Because it's not the act, it's the attitude that makes the difference and gives the more power to the pouring out. The word of encouragement genuinely given, the financial support to someone in distress, the Netflix you watch with someone you wouldn't normally ask over but who's going through a really rough time, the meal you share with someone who cannot invite you back. Serve more. I was very struck to read um, the story of a former Archbishop of Canterbury, George Carey. When he was the vicar of Durham Church, 
the toilets of the church are in the city center. And they were used by every clubber and reveler on a Saturday night, and you can imagine the state of those toilets. Well, if you can't, then um, you're probably in good company. I can. Um, and he would see these toilets were in a terrible state. And on Monday morning, when the cleaners arrived, he wouldn't let the cleaners clean those toilets, but the vicar himself went to clean them from all the muck of the weekend. The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself. When we serve God, we're not diminished, we're elevated, we're dignified, we're honored even when we're cleaning the toilets. But you know, there are many reasons why we serve, but one is also that it makes us feel good. It just makes us feel good. You know, the Bible says in Luke, he says, give and it'll be given to you in good measure, pressed down and running over. You'll have more than you could ever want. Because, you know, this is not, I'm not saying this is a one-off. You know, go out and do a good deed, do a kind thought. Yes, of course. Do an act of kindness today, of course. But I'm not saying it's a one-off. It's a lifetime of serving. It's a lifetime of capturing the nature of the power of God to change the loneliness, the painfulness, the harshness of the lives that we are living in. God has put you in this world not to be the center, but to be the servant. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of someone pouring out their life? Paul, at the end of his life, was speaking to Timothy, said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. He knew more pain, more suffering, more rejection, more pressure, more misunderstanding than anything we could imagine. But he knew that it was in pouring himself out that he found more of the presence of God to be able to sustain him through some of the most difficult things and times of his life. Just think of Hannah. She was desperate for a child. And what did she do? They thought she was drunk and babbling away in the temple. She said, I have poured out my soul to the Lord. This is not drinking of wine or beer. Or think of the harshness of David in one of the most tense moments of his life when he didn't know what was happening and he was doubting his calling. In Psalm 142, verse 2, the psalmist says, David says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. Come to God with your trouble, with your, with your complaint. Bring it to him. David did one of the greatest saints of all time because he knew that that's where the power of God lay when we open ourselves in honesty before him. And Paul says, but even in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, like a sacrifice, there will always be a sacrifice required in, uh, on the sacrifice and service coming from you in your faith. I am glad and I rejoice with you. There is a rejoicing even in the sacrifice. And the third little pointer that I had Submit more, serve more, share more. Share more is a very 
important part of the kingdom of God because we are in it together. I love this millennial generation because I love the way in which they have learned and are teaching us of an older generation in how to share things. And a whole new technology of sharing just growing up in our very midst. You can just think of them. Um, Uber, Airbnb, as it comes. But the one thing we also need to remember is sharing is very important for our society. Yesterday, the Times newspaper ran this extraordinary story of the explosive epidemic of the prescription of pills uh, for, for our nation. And one of the, um, the professors who deals with mental illness was saying that the problem was that there was a missing psychological link in the fragmented society. We don't have a priest or an imam or a rabbi. And that we need to learn as the first step before the prescription, the power of meeting together, meeting the family, talking to friends. That is the first step and we as a church need to begin to learn as we worship together, work together, we'll change the world together. That's what people of the spirit do, we share. Because what is given to us is so good that we don't want to keep it to ourselves. It's not a question of self-fulfillment, it's a question of pouring it out to the people that are around us. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter three, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Do you see that? Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And you say to me, Ken, what is this road map to being filled? How do I become full together? You cannot be filled on your own. You will always have a water tank that leaks if all you are doing is fulfilling yourself. You cannot do it in isolation. Your satisfaction, your contentment, your fulfillment is dependent on your interaction and your relationship with others. That's the roadmap of the Spirit of God. And the paradoxical nature of Jesus' teaching is when we feel empty and we pour ourselves out for others, at that moment we feel most content, most fulfilled, most at peace, most able to deal with the pain of life. I'm not telling you today that there is no pain of life. There is. We can't change the pain of life, of health and death and financial crises and crises in our families. We can't change it, but we can respond to it in a different way. And that's where we're going to camp out for the rest of our lives. We're going to camp out in this place where working together, we are sharing more. It's not a new hue that God has called us to. It's a new world that he's called us to. And it happens because he's pouring within us living water. And as he pours this living water into us, we pour that living water into our societies that are dry and desiccated and desperate to know the quickening touch of the spirit of the living God. God loves you. He loves you personally. He loves you powerfully. He loves you passionately. And his promises 
will never fail. His promise is to be with you always to the very end of the earth. And that promise of pouring into us hearts the Spirit of God, that is what will deal with not enoughness. You see how amazing it is. When I say submit more, we submit more to God. We look to Him. When I mention serve more, that's what I do. I serve. I do things. I pour myself out. And when I talk about sharing more, then we have an amazing thing because we do it together. Submit more, serve more, share more. A trinity of well-being. That's the secret of well-being in our generation. And that's why when the Spirit of God comes, he takes us and draws together all the things that the world says you can't cope with. Loneliness, depression, rejection, pain. And all the things that we long for, power, the presence of God, the prophetic of God, all these streams run together because as Jesus Christ poured himself out on a cross to die for us, he rose again to give us the power for more, the power to live more lives, to be more than victors, to be more victorious in the Christian life that you and I have embraced and this is the God that we serve. And because he poured himself out for more, we pour ourselves out for more. Let us stand and worship him.